Greetings and salutations. This is Isha Montgomery, and you are tuned to Hope Speaks, episode 15. Thank you for joining me today. Um, I just wanted to have a quick conversation with y'all before I went to go handle some business. Um, I know I've been gone for a month, and I'm so sorry about being away. I'm going to lay some heavy stuff on y'all. Hopefully not too heavy. I don't want y'all to desert me. But <laughs> um, but but I'm I'm just gonna be very forthright in this podcast. Um, pro- I want this to be the most transparent podcast I've ever had before. I- I'm just gonna lay stuff on the table, right? So let's start off with poetry, as always. The name of this first shorty but goody is called Moisture Again. It is spread out in sparse patches over dry land, growing and waning with drought. Stretching towards a bright sun, the ground cracks and breaks like broken skin. Touched by burning fire, bomb is needed. A salve could heal it, but only rain from the sky will do. Just like love, water heals and covers the dry land, giving it a reason to take in moisture again. Thank you so much. And again, the name of that poem was Moisture Again. Um, so let's get into it. Um, recently my, my grandmother passed and as you know, for anyone that's been following this podcast, that's the, that's the third death I've experienced in three months. First was my father, then was my auntie, then my grandmother passed. And honestly, I just... I guess I stopped coming to this podcast and I stopped talking for a bit because I I didn't know what to say. I've been going through so much since I started this podcast. Even when I started this podcast, my dad wasn't well. Then he ended up passing. And it was like, it's been so much coming in such a short period of time. So I don't want you to think I've deserted you. (laughs) I don't want you to think I don't care about this podcast. But honestly, sometimes I just don't know what to say. What are you supposed to say when you see things changing right in front of your face and you can't stop it? What are you supposed to do when you, when the world doesn't seem to care, but your pain is so real and you wear it on your sleeve? You know, I've been trying to, not to be strong or to be tough. I've just been trying my best to survive the, the heartbreak of it all. I think that The heartbreak has been the hardest part. And most importantly, when all this went down um, with the most recent death, I would say the last, even the last three deaths, I've I've realized where people really stand with me. Whether we're talking about family, friends, lovers. My father passed and my ex-boyfriend was so mean to me during that time. He only hugged me like twice after my father died. He wouldn't even talk to me about it. He wouldn't try to comfort me or console me. Matter of fact, he kind of just told me I just need to get over it. You know, he was very cold when my father passed, yelling at me about his food not being done. Like, and I walked away from that relationship. Then when my auntie passed, people at the church started looking at me strange at that point because they already were treating me different after my father passed. But then when my grandma passed, Honestly, um, the people I was going to church with, they became unbearable. And because I go to a church where a lot of my family members go outside of my um, immediate family, like my uncles, aunties, cousins, 
they were being really cruel to me um, after my auntie and my grandmother passed most recently. They were just being so cold and conniving. They told people in the church my grandma died. And really, that was no one's business. You know, they've been... They've been so incredibly inconsiderate since my grandmother died, you know. Um, and I don't say this often, but my relative is actually the head of, he's actually the pastor over the church. When I tell you he was so cold to me um, after my auntie and after my grandmother died, it, it was really painful for me to endure a man of God being so nice to the rest of the congregation, but treating me with such disdain. I mean, after my father died and after my grandmother died and after my auntie died, the pastor of the church wouldn't even, who was my relative, mind you, wouldn't even give me a hug, never called me on the phone, never really even said much of a word to me for the most part. Um, and at some point I actually... I actually reached out to him after my auntie died because I was feeling uncomfortable with the way that people at the church were treating me. And I told him, I said, you know, it's not the fact that people are trying to hug me. It's the way they're going about it. You know, they're they're becoming belligerent if I don't hug them. They're becoming cruel if I don't hug them, you know. And really, it was a lot of stuff going on with the ushers and also the way people would stare at us after we experienced so much death and loss. The way they would stare at me and my immediate family as though we were somehow to blame or, or we had something to do with that. And what hurt me is all of those people who died, they meant something to me. They meant something to me. Those were my family members. That was my grandma. There was no one else in that church that was related to her. My other family member, that was on my father. That was on my mother's side. They weren't related to her. The auntie that died, that was on my mother's side. They weren't related to her. My father who died, they experienced that loss too. But the moment my father died, I never forget the pastor stands up and he says, I'm the last living male from my line. As though that's something to be proud of. It's It's been so painful since my father died because people have, they've come out the closet with how they really feel about me. It's like kicking me when I'm down. Every th time I think, People are going to show me an ounce of kindness, remorse, love, compassion. It's come up short. And I don't expect that from man any longer. And I never should have expected it in the first place. That was my fault. I take that L. But now I know where I stand with people and I'm thankful for that. Because if someone shows you who they are, believe them. Maya Angelou once wrote that. And I never really understood what it meant until I kept on getting older and going through changes and realizing that I can't be mad at people for who they are. I can only accept what they've given me and what they've shown me. I want to read you some passages from the Bible because I think it's so important that we be aware of the fact that even when we believe people love us or they care for us or they should be there for us, sometimes they're not able to do that. Because what's in their heart won't allow them to. Out of the abundance of the heart, man speaks. And for me, a lot of people didn't start speaking until my father died. They didn't tell me how they felt until my father died. They didn't tell me 
or express how little they cared about me until my father died. They didn't show me how cold their shoulders was until my father died, until my auntie died, until my grandma died. And then they looked at me like somehow I was the denominator. I, I was, you know, somehow I had to, something about me or my family had to be the problem. And I just want to say this. When someone experiences loss and they're your brother or sister in Christ, treat them with kindness and empathy because you never know what's going to come your way. It rains on the just and the unjust. No one is exempt from pain, from hurt, from trials and tribulations. And when you mistreat people and you judge them and you cast a, a negative eye on them because you don't understand their situation. That's when stuff starts to get complicated. That's when stuff gets painful. That's when the burdens that you already bear become heavy for your shoulders. And it says in the word that God will never give you more than you can bear. But seeing all those people come out with razor sharp teeth to dine on my pain, to gossip about me, and I haven't even done anything to them. Now, I can understand if I gave people reason to hate me. I can understand. I can understand if I cut some people out. I can understand if I shut it down at church, but I wasn't even doing anything. All I wanted to do was praise the Lord in peace. And it seems as though that was very difficult. It almost wasn't even possible. I, you know, because it got to a point where people were mad at me. If I didn't give them a hug, they would, why you did it? And it's like, they would get an attitude and, you know, say stuff and cut their eyes at me. And mind you, some of those people were doing that. They were like my senior, then some, like one woman, she was, significantly older than me she had to be in her like 70s and she was very upset over the fact I wouldn't touch her I remember after my father died me and my mother were walking towards the back of the church and she looks at me and says oh you're not doing too well are you and then she gave me this weird twisted smile I said no I'm not when I went home, I realized I shouldn't even have responded because she was digging into my pain. Instead of her saying, good to see you, sister, or I'm praying for you, or you're in the right place. It was just kind of, it was just so much negativity. It was just people loved to dig into my pain after my father died and after my auntie died and after my grandmother died. It's like they tried to do anything, just anything to cut into me. I remember this one guy at the church, and I'm not saying any names. <laughs> This one guy at the church, sorry, my dog. He said to me, you seem very intelligent. And I said, well, I'm not that smart, you know, because I really didn't want to talk about, you know, being intelligent or whatever he's talking about because it just didn't make sense. I kind of felt like whatever he said was a setup because I've never had anyone say that to to me in church before like you seem very intelligent like you're always thinking he said something to that effect and I looked at him and I said oh I'm not that smart you know like I'm just I'm just me like you know I'm regular and instead he was like you shouldn't say that you're not that smart that's very unattractive to a man whenever a man hears a woman talk bad about herself it just turns us off you know as a woman if you're looking for better things in life or for men you shouldn't be talking like that because as a man we don't want to ever hear a woman talk down upon herself why would you ever say something like that and then he started just cutting into me and then at that point my cousin was like you need to stop talking about what a man wants because frankly we don't really care and you walked over here asking her questions when I was having a conversation with her 
And at this point, I'm just ignoring the both of them because they're irritating me. I mean, it's just it's right after my grandma died, and I had to hear these two bickering about random stuff that means nothing to me. I mean, three people have died, and they're bickering over what? Like, that conversation shouldn't even have happened. Like, you seem intelligent. Who says that at church? After church, this is this is what you want to say to me? Not, oh, that was a good service. It's good to see you, sister. Your outfit looks great. Like, no, none of that. It's like, I don't know. He came over trying to have a conversation with me that I wasn't interested in. Second, I'm not trying to be in a relationship with him. He's, he kind of seems like he's thirsty for something that I'm not even looking for. I'm not looking for companionship per se right now. I mean, it would be nice if it came, but that's not my main focus. I'm actually in the process of mourning. So I'm not really thinking about, oh, let me try to look good or let me try to present myself in a positive light so I could date this guy I'm going to church with. That's not my mindset. He's he's looking for a wife or something. I don't know what he's looking for, but for him to just walk up to me out of nowhere and say that. And I just had to start thinking like, what's going on where people keep on attacking me or running in my face saying stuff that really is it's not even, it's the furthest thing from my mind right now. I know people are going to make mistakes. People are going to be people. You know, in the Bible it says, the tongue is like a double-edged sword. It could be used for good or evil or something to that effect about the tongue being a double-edged sword. Often people talk without thinking. I'm not in the mind frame of someone who just out here living right now. Right now, I'm I'm trying to cope. I'm trying my best to cope, to smile, to do regular things, to go outside and walk the dog, to... To, to go out and eat at a restaurant, to work without crying, to to wake up without sighing, to, to pray to God without asking why. That's what I'm trying to do. You know, I had a conversation with my mother recently, and I told her I've been trying not to feel this way, but lately I've been feeling a bit Job-ish. For anyone who's read the book of Job, because I know I'm nothing like Job, and I did not go through what Job went through. Job was a was a righteous man. I got some issues. I'm not that righteous. Like as of yet, I, no. Only Jesus can do those changes in me to make me at that level. But when I read the book of Job, he went through so much from losing all his cattle and all his livestock to losing all his children to his skin being covered with boils and 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 for him to still praise God, for him to still acknowledge God, and then. Here comes Job's friends and the people who know Job speaking ill on him, saying he must have done something. He must have done something to bring about this misfortune. Surely you're not the type of man that you proclaim to be or that you that you present yourself as for you to be going through this type of dismay. What kind of trials would hit a man who's supposed to be just and righteous according to God? And the truth is God was allowing Job to be tested by the devil. He was allowing Job to go through a test. God didn't show up and speak to Job until that test was over, until God heard his friends who were supposed to be comforting Job, speaking on him wickedly. It wasn't until God heard Job's friends talking to him as though he was a wicked man, as though somehow he had brought this on himself through his own actions. And the truth was, Job didn't even do anything. All he did was serve the Lord. 
And there's going to be times when you're serving God. And people are going to look at you. And they're going to talk about you. Because you're going through things and you're having problems and there's stuff that's coming in your life that you can't explain. And there's pain that you've experienced that people have yet to taste. But don't you let that turn your heart sour and don't turn away from Jesus Christ. Because at the end of the day, no one can judge you but God. No one knows what lies in your heart. No one knows the the secrets of man like God. There's a lot of people out here who want to judge the next person when they're walking around living in a glass house, ready to be shattered by any stone or pebble that might come through the window. And I'm tired of being judged. I'm sick and tired of people who are supposed to love me hating me. And it's not because I did anything wrong. It's because they can't handle the fact that I'm still walking upright. You know, one thing I didn't like about going to church sometimes, it wasn't the fact that I didn't love worshiping God. I love worshiping God. I love joining with other saints in prayer. That's not the problem. I hated how they started treating my mother. How they started saying that she needed to stop being so strong, that she wasn't crying enough, that she wasn't broken down the way a woman should be after her husband dies, after her auntie dies, after her mother dies. Who is the next man to tell someone how they should mourn, how they should cry, how they should go before the Lord? I was raised to believe that praise is my greatest weapon. So when I'm crying, I'm praising. When things are falling to the wayside, I'm praising. When there's pain and turbulence in my heart, I'm praising. When the world is falling asunder, I'm praising. When the rain won't stop falling, I'm praising. And that's the type of woman she is. She's a woman that praises God despite, despite the storm that rages on. We're supposed to praise God in the midst of it all. It says where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be in the midst. I know who my Lord and Savior is. And I don't need anyone on God's green earth to tell me how to mourn the loss of all the people that I love. All the people that I would have died for, if need be. I don't need anyone to tell me that my tears aren't good enough, that my way of being upset and dealing with it and marching through the storm isn't worthy. I don't need anyone to tell me that. You know, most recently I've been seeing people judge me but tell me they believe in Christ. What Christ do you serve that would put down a child who's lost her father? When it comes to my daddy, who was with my mother for 31 years, who held my hand and wiped my tears every time he saw them fall. When someone tells me that I'm not handling it well enough, that I'm not being soft enough, that I need to be softer. I am soft. I am broken before my God. Before no man but my God. He's seen my tears. 
and he's heard my cries from afar and he has comforted me. So who is the next person to tell me that it's not good enough, that I haven't cried enough, that I haven't suffered enough, that I'm not soft enough? People don't know my pain, but they assume to know. They assume to know what I'm going through. After my father died, at his private viewing of his body, one of my cousins is going to walk up to me and say, well, at least your mother and father were together. At least they were married your whole life. At least, you know, you had you know, a father in the household. What does that have to do with him dying? My father is laying in a casket. You say this before his body? At least your father was there. My father and my mother and father aren't together. They broke up. They're both still alive. And on top of that, if a man dies, you don't comfort their child by saying at least you had him in your life. This isn't the time. His body isn't more than a week old. And you're, you're, you're thinking about yourself and how your parents weren't together. And you're thinking that's going to make me feel better when my dad, dad died at 57. He wasn't that old. I wanted him to walk me down the aisle to hold some of his grandchildren. He wasn't able to do that. I have to deal with that pain. And instead of you holding me and telling me, baby girl's going to be okay. I love you. I care for you. You mean something to me. You're going to compare your situation to mine? Don't compare apples to oranges and tell me I should be satisfied with the oranges. Don't do that. Ever since my dad died, I've heard some of the most callous concepts. And I knew people were trying to cheer me up, but really they were licking their own wounds. This has been the most self-centered moment of my life when it comes to my family. Not me being self-centered, them being self-centered. My friends, my family, they've really come out the closet with some mess. I just, I don't, I don't even understand. I don't, I've been so upset, y'all. I haven't even want to come on the podcast to talk about it. What am I supposed to say? I, I don't know what to say. So let me read some for the Bible. <laughs> this talks about, okay, so first. I want to go to Mark 7, 21 through 23. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, livaciousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. I don't know people's hearts and I didn't know how people felt about me or my family or the way that I even handled situations until my father died. You know, I've been so quiet as of late. I haven't really said much to people. I've talked. I've shared my testimony. I've talked about, you know, how I feel sometimes. But for the most part, I haven't talked or broken down the way that a lot of people have expressed they, that they desired me to. Because they felt that I haven't been properly grieving. And it's gotten to the point where I'm starting to question why people don't think that my grieving is good enough. And I don't care anymore. I'm not going to break down so people could feel comfortable with my situation. When I break down, 
which I have many times. I've done it in front of God. I've done it in the bathroom. I've done it in my car. I've done it in my secret place where only God knows about. No one has the right to wait for my face to be so swollen that my eyes can't close to say it's good enough. People will wait until you're at your lowest point to try to bring you down. And I want to tell you, the God that I serve will bless me at my lowest point. He will cover me at my lowest point. He will bathe me in his blood and say that he died for me at my lowest point. He calls me my, his beloved at my lowest point. And he does the same for you. Don't let these people out here get into your mind and make you think that what you're doing isn't good enough. Make you think that the way you're handling a situation isn't well. Make you feel as though you don't mean anything to Jesus. Because last I checked, when my father was sick, wasn't nobody here to take care of him but my mother. And I would come and I would visit him and I would do what I, would, what I could during the visit. But all those people who were right next door wouldn't come by. All them family members who said they loved him. We love you. We love you. All them people waited until he died to come against disrespect. Make assertions that are unjust about his wife. About his daughters about the very people who were here for him always. Even when it didn't profit them, it profited me nothing. It didn't profit me not a red cent to be around him when he wasn't well, but I was here because his wisdom was worth more than gold. I was here because to see his face gave me hope. I came to visit and I drove over an hour to see my daddy twice a week because he was my best friend. And friends don't come easy in this day and age and people who truly love you, they don't grow on trees. They are special. They are a resource. They are a resource that that doesn't come around every day. They are a rare commodity. And I just, I thank God for the time I spent my, with my father. I thank God for the time I spent with my auntie. I thank God for the time I spent with my grandma. Because for better or for worse, they were people that mattered to me. And I have to deal with they lost the best I can. But I'm going to keep my head up. I'm going to keep on praising the God of my salvation. And I'm not going to let man nor child, creature nor beast, devil nor witch or warlock tell me that my praise, that my tears, that my struggle, and that the way that I'm coping isn't good enough. Because it's good for me. So with that being said, I'm going to read to you the poem, Good Soil. 
I'm sorry, I'll be snapping off, then I gotta I gotta take it down a notch. So I'm gonna read to you the poem, Good Soil. Thank God for the morning. Another opportunity to be awake. The grace to breathe a bit longer. When I am weak in spirit, the great I am is stronger. Push to the limit, I don't give up. Let go or stop. There is no glass ceiling on my top. Only heaven. When people throw rocks, I am unmoved. Because the farmer sold my seed in fertile ground. So my endeavors are fruitful year round. The Holy Spirit dwells in me. So when the lightning strikes, I am in no need of company. I have a trusty steed. He is a true friend and confidant to those in need. I don't have to worry about what the world thinks about me. Because when times were hard, they couldn't spare groceries. There is only joy to be found in my father. So when the chickens gather to cluck, I don't even bother. It's the nature of the world to think ill of the chosen ones and fight over meaningless pearls, to look only at the physical that dissipates in due time, to forget about eternity that stands when all temporary has faded, to look towards mankind for answers. But when it comes to the matters of God, they are jaded. Some people are built that way, to only look at present circumstances day to day, but I think about the present, tomorrow, and yesterday. So I can build a legacy that gives my children roots in order to defy the eagerness to go with the flow when the enemy recruits. Early in the morning, they were planted in good soil. Again, the name of this poem is good soil thank you thank you i'm gonna read another piece for you that i posted on my website and the name of this piece is how to survive sadness time isn't afforded to us it is a privilege to those willing to take it no matter the cost they pay but I find my mind wandering and searching through vague thoughts that send radiating sadness down my spine. Looking at puddles of dirty water that still reflect me. Hardly a day goes by that I don't think about my former life. The good, bad, and ugly. Memories spin and release film that sours my stomach yet brings joyful yet bitter tears tears to heavy eyelids. I will ring the bell of triumph and joy when freedom rings. These days I have seen much sun, but the rays have failed to reach my heart. It beats for moments and times that are long gone. How do I fly above the circumstances that have grounded me? The peace that once comforted my soul has dwindled to a small glowing ember. I hold on to its warmth with both hands. My palms may burn, but I grip it still, praying the meager fire will grow and expand once again. In the depth of my despair, I pray that Jesus hears me. He is my comforter, protector, and greatest friend. Time has never changed his love. 
His kind gestures remain the same. I will run towards the only salvation I know. This life is short, but the struggle never gets old. Let my cries reach his open ears. Let my tears be wiped by his skilled hands. Let my heart and heart unfold and blossom like roses in the springtime. May each petal shine with the dewdrops of sparkling hope renewed. Thank you for your time. Again, the name of this piece is How to Survive Sadness. You see, recently I've been dealing with with the concept of, of what does it mean to forgive people when they mean you ill? What does it mean to forgive people who, who treat you with, 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 um, who treat you badly, who mistreat you, who, who judge you, who make assumptions and assertions that they shouldn't be making when they haven't stood a, a, a day in your shoes and they couldn't walk in your shoes. If they put on your, your shoes, they would sink to the floor because it's too heavy for their weak ankles to carry. How do you deal with people who sit up there and they mistreat you because they don't know your story, your journey, and they couldn't handle it if they did? Because the stress of it all would kill them and they would crumble under the pressure. How do you deal with people who mean you ill when you gave them nothing but love that they ignored, despised, and straight up didn't appreciate? How do you deal with the haters when God has called you to love. How? Now I've been thinking about that. How do I deal with it? How do I how do I handle being a bigger person when all I want to do, I'm gonna be honest with y'all, is tell people off. Tell them off. <laughs> tell them off. Okay. And I've had a thought, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give y'all this thought. So we are in the book of Job. So. So when Job and his friends. Were having that conversation and the Lord heard. He came into it. Because at a certain point, I believe I want I, I can I can I can only believe that the Lord was tired of hearing all that message Job's friends was talking about him. Because it wasn't it wasn't the fact that. Job's friends were evil men. It was the fact that when Job was at his lowest, they were kicking him. They were chastising him. They were seeing him as less than. And because of that, The Lord came in Job 38, verse 1 and 2 and said, 
Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is that that darketh counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee the answer, thou me. Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding, who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest, or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who shut up the seas with doors when it break forth as if it had issued out of the womb, when I made the cloud, the garment thereof, and thick darkness, a swaddling band for it, and break up for it my decree place, and set bars and doors. And he said thereof, Shalt thou come, but no further, and here shall thy proud waves be stayed. Now we're jumping to verse 40. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that condemneth with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproofeth God, let him answer it. You know, God got involved in the conversation that Job was having with his friends because he didn't want Job to entertain the vile things that his friends were saying. Job had not did some great sin outside of the fear that he held secretly in his heart. But that's a sin nonetheless, for God has not given us a power of fear, but the power of love. Strengthen sound mind. But that one sin was enough to open the doorway for the devil to test Job. But the Job never turned against God. Job never did wickedness in the sight of God. But when Job entertained what his friends were saying, though he never disrespected God, God had to step in and start speaking from the whirlwind. And then if we go to Job 42, verse 10, before verse 10, God has Job pray for his friends and bless them. Because if he didn't, they would have to suffer for the things they said to Job and for the lies they put upon Job and for the, putting their mouth on him when they shouldn't have said anything of that nature to that man. So God had Job pray for them. Then in 42 verse 10, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job and he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Verse 11, then came there Unto him all his brother and all his sisters and all that they had been of his acquaintance before and did eat bread with him in his house. And they bemoaned him and comforted him all over all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money and every one 
an earring of gold. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, and 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 asses. He also had seven daughters, daughters and three sons. And why did God bless Job with more after his friends talked about him? Why did he bless him with more after all that evil had came to his doorstep? Why did he bless Job with more after all those things that he had went through? Because it was a test and he passed it. God was testing Job's love for him. Will you love me? When it's all going down, when it's all falling apart, when everyone who says they love you don't love you no more. When the truth and, and the evil in their hearts come out and it pours out like a rain, will you still call me your Lord? Am I still Jehovah Jireh? Am I still Adonai? Am I still Jehovah Nisi? Am I still the great I am when your world is torn asunder, not only by your struggles, but by the words of men? Am I still your God? And Job's reply throughout the test was yes. The Lord giveth and he taketh away. So I'm here to tell you no matter what has been taken from you, no matter what man says about you, no matter what evil comes to your doorstep. Because God is for you, what man can be against you? My father is greater than my enemy. And my struggle has not left me barren. My tears have not left me dry. Because I am whole in Christ Jesus. And no matter what people say about me, no matter how people treat me, no matter what people think about me, when I praise the Lord, I know that it's coming from my heart, torn in pieces. And I believe in my God to make those pieces whole again. So when people come for you and when they speak wicked to you, just understand you ain't the only one, baby. We going through it and we will come out. Don't be ashamed of the haters. Know if there was nobody talking, something ain't going right anyway. And I want to thank you for sticking with me in this podcast and for hanging around and listening to all this mess because I know, I know it was a lot. <laughs> okay? Thank you so much for being here, for joining Aisha as she let out her truth about what's been going on. This is episode 15, Hope Speaks. Until next time, which won't be far from now, keep each other safe. Be blessed. Be strengthened in Jesus Christ. And never, never let anyone pull you down. Bye.